This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. One more nice day for us today. Sunshine and unseasonably mild temperatures in the mid-60s. And then we've got some rain moving in. The twin tiers could be in for over two inches of rain as the remains of Hurricane Nicole move up the East Coast. The National Weather Service office in Binghamton advises that moderate to heavy rain is likely to impact much of the central New York area and northeast Pennsylvania tomorrow into early Saturday. NOAA was predicting the rain to start tomorrow morning with the possibility of heavy rain into the afternoon. Thunderstorms were also said to be possible in the afternoon. Forecasters added Nicole, which hit Florida early today as a rare late season hurricane, could be coming through the northeast as the remnants of a tropical storm, but still packing some strong wind gusts. Officials were projecting the winds to gust up to 25 miles per hour. That rainfall could become heavy at times into Friday night, bringing a possibility of flooding issues. The National Weather Service this morning was looking for the overnight Friday new rainfall totals to possibly reach one to two inches. Winds were still to be an issue overnight Friday with gusts approaching 30 miles per hour. Heavy rain and wind also expected to continue into the morning on Saturday. Before Nicole was expected to move away later in the day on Saturday, the wind was still expected to gust up to 25 miles per hour. With a lot of leaves down, there is a potential for clogging of storm drains adding to the road flooding issues. If there is a storm drain near your home or business, you're asked to clear it of debris if possible. A Port Crane family is homeless after fire burned their house to the ground overnight. Firefighters found the house at 164 Dumas Hill Road in Port Crane fully engulfed in flames when they arrived at around 9 p.m. Broome County Emergency Services operators say they had received no reports from the scene of any injuries. Firefighters from Port Crane, Shenango Bridge, and Five Mile Point responded with several pumper tankers brought in to that rural location to provide water to the fire scene. The very first unit arriving on the scene from the Port Crane Fire Department reported 90% of the structure was already gone. Emergency Services officials did not have any information this morning regarding whether anyone was home at the time, how many people live at the home, and whether it's believed the fire may have started. The firefighters were on that scene for several hours. The cause of the blaze remains under investigation. In the struggle for control of Congress, the redrawn congressional districts in New York are being looked at at playing an important part in the balance of power in Washington. A lot of attention is being focused downstate as well. Republican Mike Lawler defeated Representative Sean Patrick Maloney in New York City's northern suburbs and the GOP swept all four House seats on Long Island as the party closed in on its largest share of the state's congressional delegation in two decades. Two races were too early to call yesterday, but Republicans' strong showing in the suburbs helped them win at least 10 of the 26 seats New York State will have in Congress next year, two more than their current representation in what is now a 27-seat delegation. Beyond voter dissatisfaction over the economy and crime, Democrats appeared to be hurt badly by the collapse of their attempt to gerrymander the boundaries of New York's congressional districts. Courts threw out maps that had been passed by the legislature, controlled by the Democrats and signed by Democrat Governor Kathy Hochul, citing procedural errors and excessive partisanship. A court appointee then drew new maps that prioritized competition. The result has been more close matchups than the state has seen since the late 1990s when Republicans represented 13 of what was then New York's 31 congressional districts. Many of the GOP wins 
this week were close, like Mark Molinaro's victory in a sprawling new congressional district that stretches from the Hudson Valley to the Finger Lakes region and includes Binghamton. Molinaro, the Dutchess County Republican executive, defeated Democrat Josh Riley, an attorney hailing from Broome County. Riley conceded the race yesterday afternoon. Molinaro lost a race to represent a different version of the 19th Congressional District in a special election in August before the maps were redrawn again. The Associated Press was not declaring a winner in Syracuse and its suburbs where Republican Brandon Williams held a narrow lead and in the Hudson Valley where U.S. Congressman Pat Ryan was clinging to a narrow lead over Republican Colin Schmidt. The second-term state assemblyman Schmidt, however, has conceded that race. Plans are underway to honor one of Binghamton's most famous sons that could be also becoming a mecca for fans of the classic television series. Greater Binghamton Chamber of Commerce, the agency, and the Rod Serling Memorial Foundation, as well as Serling's family and others, have unveiled plans for a study of a possible development of the Rod Serling Dimensions of Imagination Center for the Media and the Arts in Binghamton. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Joseph, live on a Thursday morning, November 10th, 2022. Phone lines are open officially for those who wish to engage in thoughtful discourse. 607-772-1290, the thoughtful discourse line. If you're not going to be thoughtful and if you're not willing to engage in discourse, well... There are other programs for you, my friend. So what's going on? I was looking at the Post. No, I know you're saying, well, Bob, of course, you're looking at the Washington Post. No, I'm looking at the New York Post. This is the one owned by Rupert Murdoch. Did you take a look at the New York Post today? I mean, come on, man. Who's running the thing? Who is running the New York Post these days? I thought it was owned by Rupert Murdoch, and I thought I knew. I thought I knew his political allegiance, but uh, something has gone terribly, terribly wrong at the New York Post. Stop by your favorite newsstand to see what's gone wrong. I can't do it justice. I'll talk about the historic cover of the New York Post as we continue our broadcast today. I, um, I never expected this to happen. <sighs> the New York Post, of all things, my friends, I'm canceling my subscription to the New York Post. Because Rupert Murdoch has gone a step too far. It is shocking. It's shocking. Uh, whatever you do, don't show the kids. Because the kids, 
certainly will be shocked when they say the cover of today's New York Post. All right, don't worry, we'll certainly get back to it. I hope, hope if you go to your favorite newsstand, you can pick up a few copies because this, as they say, is a collector's item. Let's begin the program. Investal, Dave Investal, you're on the air. Good morning, Bob. I just picked it up. I'm looking at it, and uh, unbelievable. Do you want to know back when, when he was first elected? But it, it, honest to God, Bob, I came up with this idea, but only I had Humpty Trumpty. My son's an artist. He lives in Syracuse. I said, I want you to come up with a T-shirt. I want, I want you to draw a picture of Trump looking like Humpty Dumpty sitting on the wall saying, Humpty Trumpty built a great wall. I wanted to do that years ago. And then I see this this morning. I tried calling my son. I couldn't get a hold of him, but <laughs> I'm laughing at it. But, but anyway, I don't think uh, it's a laughing matter. I think Rupert Murdoch <laughs> has taken his newspaper and used it for nefarious purposes. He's liable to lose uh, a lot of uh, subscribers. But I had this idea. This picture is funny. Um, yeah, but anyways, but not in this context. The picture might be funny, but in this context, in a billion years, I never would have thought that I would see this headline on the front page of the Post of New York. Well, they're frustrated, Bob. That's why I'm calling this morning. I'm uh, I'm still in election shock. You know, I just couldn't bring myself to call in yesterday. I was recuperating. I was so tense. I was eating uh, muscle relaxers like they were M and M's. I just I just can't believe what happened. After all the pain this country has gone through, you can determine two things: one, we're a glutton for punishment; two. Uh, the smart voters in this nation are extremely outnumbered by the low information and low IQ voters. That's a definite. Um, and, Bob, are we really that surprised by the Fetterman win, which John from Binghamton predicted? Uh, if they could vote for Biden, why not him? They could be father and son. They're so similar. No, I'm I'm shocked. I am absolutely shocked that Dr. Mehmet Oz is not the senator-elect from the great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I still am, I don't know, almost to the point where I can't speak. But fortunately, I can speak, and I will speak. But uh, Mehmet Oz had better go back to New Jersey. He better start recommending more wacky stuff for his loyal followers and uh you know who knows maybe maybe when covid 23 rolls around he and the former guy will get together and have their own talk show and recommend that people um inject themselves with uh lime kool-aids <laughs> well I, well, I personally prefer intelligent competent you know coherent people in office evidently the, when the do you expect don't... that to happen <laughs> I'm serious. You live in the United States. When exactly is that going to start? Send me a memo, the the starting date for that, because I want to make sure I have lots of film in my camera. But, Bob, you know, a lot of people have been sucked in by, by the left-wing communists. You know, it, it would be a good time in 2024 for uh, Bernie again. Evidently, the country is ripe uh, for communism. That's all I can think of. I, I don't know what's going on. How about Trump's big announcement next week, Bob? I, I'm sure he thought he would rise. Yeah, he's gonna he's yeah. gonna announce he's yeah. gonna announce that he's selling Mar-a-Lago to Bernie Sanders. No, no, what I think he may do, which would be 
might be good for the country. Don't be surprised if his big announcement is now changed to he now endorses Ron DeSantis for president. Wouldn't that be something if he did that? It would, but he won't. <laughs> he should, but he should, but he he shan't. I mean, you know, the guy tries. The guy tries so hard, and it's sad to see it all come crashing down like this. I know. I know. But I feel better now because we're still going to have the House, and I think we're still we're going to get the Senate seat. Um, Bob, what's going on in Arizona? Come on. The, 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 I love that Carrie Lake from Action News. Carrie Lake, tonight at 11 <laughs> on. on Action News. And it's like, come on, man. You don't put – am I – Am I wrong in saying you don't put a former TV anchor from Albany, New York, into that kind of um, powerful position in a great state like Arizona? Why not? I mean, come on, man. You know, ever since DJ called in and brought her up, I wasn't following her that much. So I started playing, paying more uh, close attention to her. And uh, she's well-spoken. She's well-spoken. She's because she's a ideas. former anchor for Action News in Albany. Come on, man. Yeah, I know. I know. Hey, I, I'm relatively well-spoken, too. That doesn't mean I should be a governor or a senator. Come on, man. Well, she's, she's got some good ideas, though, Bob. I, I didn't I, say I she doesn't have good ideas. I'm saying she is not not the right person for the job, in my humble opinion. You don't think so? Hey, what's going on in Maricopa County, Bob? I mean, what? <laughs> I mean what's we going on? It, it's business as usual. Come on, man. You know, um, everything, yes, they can, and they will, and they'll get it right, and it'll be a quality election. It'll be the best election, because they run the best elections in Maricopa County. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm actually uh, heartened by the high caliber of um, election uh, tabulation, the vote tabulation. This year has been virtually flawless. Uh, more people are going to leave. You know, the place where I get my reading material, my gas, uh, the manager in there told me yesterday, he said, my wife and I are putting the house up for sale. We're moving to Florida because Zeldin lost. They're going to move. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, him and Rush Bow. You know, Sean Bow, who had for a long time threatened, oh, as soon as my kids grow up and get out of high school, I'm moving out of New York. His kids are out of high school. He's still living in a mansion in Long Island. He hasn't left New York. Why? Why, I ask you. Please. Well, Bob, you know, it's been going on for quite a while. They're, they're leaving New York and, and California in droves. And, well, as, and as I work. say, bye bye Miss American Pie. Get out of here. Stop Stop complaining. I mean, you're, if you have a complaint, you have two choices. One, like the people who can't take it any longer. You move out of New York, and I'd say, I wish you well in all your future endeavors. Or, if you're a person of courage and conviction, you stay in New York and you work to fix the thing. Work to fix the problems. Don't abandon us at, at our time in need. Come on, man. We need, we need these people. Florida doesn't need these people. Florida has enough Florida guys. No, you mean we need the taxpayers' money is what we need. No, we need yeah. people. <laughs> we need thoughtful leaders who are going to start spending more responsibly. That's what New York needs. I'm Bob Joseph. I support that statement. 921, Ron in Binghamton. Good morning, Bob.
all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. You know, uh, there's a great movie, 1949-1950-ish uh, uh, vintage, with Broderick Crawford. He won the Academy Award that year for his role. He played uh, a role uh, reminiscent of Louisiana's Huey Long, who was a Trump-like figure. Uh, and uh, the name of the movie, interestingly, is All the King's Men. Uh, I thought of it as I, with your suggestion, looked at the New York Post today. You know, if you go back six or seven years, six years, whatever it is, where Trump was putting his hat in the ring, true conservatives, uh, a la Bill Crystal of the National Review and uh, the National Review itself uh, said, you know, this, this is this is crazy. We, we can't we can't have a person like Trump represent Republicans. Uh, he's not a conservative. He's not really a Republican. And uh, they were looked upon as, wow, you know, you're going to. Well, the truth know, is he he is not. Certainly not a lifelong conservative. He, he is a conservative come lately, and I'm not, not sure. Kid. I'm not sure how long he actually has been a registered Republican. So, you know, I mean, everybody is allowed to change positions throughout their life, and I think most of us do. I'm just saying that of all the conservatives that the Republicans could have chosen, Donald Trump wasn't one of them. But you know, he he. Uh, I'll tell you, he has the courage of his convictions. Uh, whatever, whatever he thinks will gain him additional money, 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 cash on the barrelhead, and also votes. But primarily, it's money. And I've noticed even since he got uh, kicked out of public housing in January of 2021, he still seems to be trying to solicit millions of dollars from his loyal supporters. Well, Bob, it's because... When we really got to know the inside story, and it was there, we just didn't take time uh, to look into it. And I'm talking about uh, looking into Trump back in 2015, 2016. We would have found out, as is documented uh, brilliantly by Maggie Haberman in her book, Confidence Man, uh, we would have found out that Trump is neither a Republican or a Democrat. Uh, in fact, uh, he is, and he's very skillful, he's a, a narcissistic performance artist. He's a Trumpist, and I don't mean that in a bad way. He's, he's uh, if you will, the uh, Trumper-in-chief. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a way that um, expresses a, a certain amount of admiration that a guy with his intellect has been able to pull the, pull it off so far. So, yeah, Trumper in chief, again, I mean that in a, a way to commend the fact that he has uh, mesmerized 27% of American adults. Yeah, it's all for one and that one is me. That's that's what a, a narcissist does. Sure. He probably right now he's probably going down to the mirror hut to buy some 2023 model mirrors so he'll look even more delightful to himself. Well, in, in uh, because I like to be honest and uh, put myself out there for what I am, 
I, I have said before, and I will admit uh, with some chagrin that in 2016, I, I did not do my job either. In 2016, I voted for Donald Trump. Uh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Uh, I learned uh, what he was like. I should have known more about him before that. But um, I uh, went along and I voted for him, an outsider. Maybe he'll, he'll drain the swamp. But uh, today, Bob, you mentioned the Post. If you look at the Wall Street Journal, uh, Dan Henninger uh, in the lead editorial says that if Donald Trump on November 15th announces that he is running for president, the election is over. The Democrats win. Uh, And uh, if you look at what happened uh, Tuesday uh, with uh, the people who had to take a pledge in order to get Donald Trump's help for the midterms, uh, included Mehmet Oz and others, they had to pledge that uh, to Donald Trump that they denied the result of the 2020 election. And now those people are pretty much going down in flames. Uh, that's uh, what's the situation with with Trump. Um, he's he's who knows what he'll announce. He can always. Uh, well, I believe I believe he definitely intended to announce his candidacy for the presidency. But uh, given what's just transpired, I I don't believe that'll be the announcement. It'll be it'll be something. You know, he's bought Twitter from Elon Musk. Something. You know, something to cause the talking heads to have plenty to talk about on Wednesday's program. So I'm I'm looking forward to Wednesday, eh, November 16th, because whatever he announces is guaranteed to be filled with pure, pure Trumpy deliciousness. And uh, yeah, it's good. I from a and I've said this before, and I know unfortunately I'll say it again this guy is the best time or the best thing to happen to talk radio and uh, also cable opinion shows in our lifetime i'm not saying that he's good for the country or good for anyone but himself but in terms of the ratings in terms of the clicks in terms of monetizing a single person again we're now living in you know we've seen this cult of personality Probably the most dangerous thing, Ron, is that this guy who started off as a Queens real estate developer with barely two nickels to rub together, this guy managed to parlay that into this amount of power, convincing 27% of American adults at one point that he was the best thing since sliced bagels. And... um that means whether it's Ron DeSantis or probably somebody even smarter, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, or even, dare I say, a libertarian or a progressive or whatever, somebody is going to come along and use some of these same methods and potentially inflict a lot more damage to this great nation. Well, Bob, can I say one thing about New York? Because you, you did point out, hey, stay here and fix New York. Uh, but with the results in New York uh, in this election, hey, uh, talk about uh, swimming upstream or, you know, pu- pushing the rock up the hill. I mean, uh, we're not making a dent 
in the one-party rule of Albany in this state. And uh, seeing that Tuesday, I had to say to myself, uh, you know, maybe maybe upstate New York should secede. Uh, maybe maybe we should have uh, the 51st state should be upstate New York. Uh, we are diametrically opposed to downstate in terms of our values and the way we vote. And uh, I, uh, people upstate, I think, are really tired of it, I being one of them. I mean, you can get elected uh, in New York State, uh, Kathy Hochul, you can get elected if you have Manhattan, uh, the Bronx, and uh, Brooklyn and Queens. Uh, you don't get Staten Island, but that, Staten Island's little. Uh, but if you have to, if you have those four boroughs, you can get elected. And uh, I don't think that bodes well for us people in Binghamton. As far as staying and fighting the good fight, man, that that's a uh, swimming upstream. Well, things haven't been the same since Warren M. Anderson left the Senate. Sorry. It'll never be. It's it, people lament the um, the disappearance of IBM and Endicott Johnson around here. Uh, in the same vein, they should be looking back to the uh, Warren Anderson era and thinking how good we had it back then. Since Warren Anderson, a Republican from Binghamton, Warren Anderson, when he was for years when he was Senate Majority Leader, routinely would ride the elevator with the likes of me over at the Security Mutual Building when the station was there and he was working for um, a small legal establishment. Uh, Warren M. Anderson was more a man of the people than any of the leaders we have today in Albany. And, and, and in fairness, I mean, even though Tom Libus managed to work his way up to deputy majority leader, you know, he... He made a horrible, horrible decision on that fateful day when he, according to uh, a jury verdict, he lied to an FBI agent. And, you know, rest is history. It'll never be the same. Well, Bob, on the elevator ride uh, with Warren Anderson that you t took, could it be possible that you, when you, you know, had a full bushel of hair, he mistook you for Donald Trump? No, never. Oh, okay. Uh, someday I'll show you a picture and demonstrate exactly why Warren Anderson never could have mis mistaken me for that short-fingered vulgarian. It's 9:32. I'm your friend Bob Joseph. This is News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM, 12:90 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Grammy. Joseph Live, 936 WNBF, the most nutritious station for radio listeners. Yvonne and Vestal, good morning. What's going on? Hey, I got two things to talk about, but one thing, uh, right off the bat, the older news, I'm the gal that wrote to you about having a bear in my kitchen this um, past August. Isn't it wild? Uh, 
wild. Yeah, the bear was wild. <laughs> the golden bears, too. You know, I, I heard somebody said it had something to do with, um, who's the superintendent over there at the Vestal School? He's, oh, he's the guy. I don't know. Well, nobody knows because he won't talk to the media. <laughs> Trick question. Nobody, nobody in Vestal know him, knows him because okay. he doesn't so, he doesn't uh, talk with the media. But but I thought that he was like putting all these bears out to get attention for his school district. Do you no, think? No, no. This is a legit call. I literally a real bear. I had a black bear in my kitchen. Now, I live right up from the high school. I don't live out in the hinterlands. And, of course, up on Pierce Hill, there are a lot of bear. There's one that's so big they call it Bearzilla because it is gigantic. There's a big sow that's had babies that people see on their game cams. But this one broke through uh, my screen door in the one whole other end of the house pushed through it, walked very politely, apparently, through my house, and came all the way across the living room, wandered into our small little kitchen here, and stood up at the counter and apparently wanted to get into a crockery of butter. I was not on that level. I was down um, in our rec room doing some work on a computer by myself at home and came upstairs to make lunch at 1 in the afternoon, and I heard a noise and kind of thought maybe my husband had come home from lunch and smelled this awful smell, which I thought, oh, he brought some bad food home with him from lunch, and proceeded into the kitchen area because I heard a little racket and stopped dead when I saw what appeared to be a black hooded figure standing at my counter. Huh. Within a second, I realized it was a black bear standing there at my counter. Oh, my gosh. It realized me about the same time, and it skittered down onto the towel floor. Of course, I didn't stick around. I turned and went out a sliding door and closed it onto it. Now I'm on a deck that's, you know, it's me and the deck up in the air. Uh, The bear apparently left the same way he came in didn't touch anything, just went out the door on the other side of the house. This wasn't even a door in the kitchen. Yeah, the DEC came. They put up um, a huge, it looked like a torpedo-shaped trap for 11 days with cameras on it 24-7. Never were able to trap it because they said, once it enters the house, it's a danger and needs to be euthanized, which kind of made me feel bad because he also said having tracked it through the woods, it was a, a juvenile. Well, I'm here to tell you, a juvenile bear is not a small bear. They're how much do you think? Big. How much do you think he weighed? They figure about 200, 250. Oh, my gosh. I know. And so they put donuts in the trap. They threw in... Well, of course they did. People. Cheap donuts, and the first night I heard the trap door go down, and, of course, I couldn't sleep all night thinking, oh, there's a bear in the trap. No, no, it was three um, raccoons partying on the donuts. Of course. And then when they realized that they couldn't get out because they had tripped the door, then they raised quite a racket all night long and dug up half the lawn trying to dig their way out of this trap. Well, I knew they would use uh, donuts as uh, as an effort to yeah. try to attract the bear because that's what they did when the, the bears escaped from the Jellystone Park. They just uh, loaded there up a go. dozen Jellystone well, donuts. The rest of the story-
story, it, it turns out that this thing is coming back. Our neighbors now have pictures galore of it wandering through the backyards looking for uh, bird seed, you know, which is what they mostly fatten up on for the winter. And we we did some deep diving into, okay, when do these things go away? Apparently the females start to um, get lethargic at the end of November, if we're lucky. They don't actually hibernate fully. The males don't get lethargic until the end of December, so I guess they spend one whole month longer doing man stuff before they hibernate. And um, so we are faced with it. The DEC went around to the, each door, knocked on it, and said, please, no, don't put any garbage, any bird seed. Uh, we will ticket you. If you do, because right now it was a you know a, a danger. What bothered me, Bob, was that there was never any announcement in the news, local newspapers or anything, to warn the people to be really aware of how invasive bears can be, especially when they're fattening up. So there's that. Anyway, that's my story on the bear. All right. It's, well, it's very troubling that they didn't have a story about it in the newspaper. I know, and the DEC really didn't make an announcement. The police didn't. They were here, you know, Johnny on the spot, went through the house several times and announced that there was absolutely nothing that the bear did. Fortunately, it wasn't frightened enough to try and escape any old way because they've been known to rip apart your house trying to get out. So there's that. But um, I, I was telling my tax lady about this story when I went in a couple months after that. She said, oh, what a summer I've had. And I said, oh, you think your summer's bad. I put a $5 bill on a table. You put one down. I bet I end up with 10 bucks." So I tell her my bear story, and she said, yeah. Well, we moved into a house in Windsor, and I heard some racket when we were moving things in, and it sounded like a critter in there. So I said to my husband, I'm not going in there. You go in and figure out what it is. Lo and behold, it was a four-foot boa constrictor. I'd rather and deal with a bear. I'm, I, no, I'm serious. Given the choice between the two, of course. you know, she she would have won that ten bucks. That that ten bucks would have been hers when I walked out of there. Apparently, the owner that sold the house had a boa constrictor six months ago. Thought it escaped, didn't think anything of it, and the thing installed itself in inside the house and came out once it was empty. Mm -mm. Yeah, I'm with you. I wouldn't. I pick a bear. I know what a bear. Well, I'll tell bear. you, bears don't scare me. Spiders and snakes scare me. Oh, horrible! They're you know, deal spiders, bears. even tiny spiders scare me, and even That's tiny spiders. snakes scare me. I, you yeah. know, it's just the way. Maybe it's the way I was brought up, but bears don't scare me. I, I would take ten bears over two snakes any day. Okay. Well, now you might change your mind if they were standing in your kitchen, but then again, we know what a bear is. I agree with you there. Well, at least a bear. You could you could try to reason with a bear. You can't reason with a snake or a spider. They, You know, I don't know if it's because of their minuscule brain size or because they just have bad attitudes. It, it, it strikes me that most Americans are at far greater risk from snakes and spiders. And, yeah. I mean... My mom told me I should not fear spiders or snakes or bears, but the only part of her admonition that I took to heart was the thing about the bears. So, yep, yep. Well, anyway, well, thank you for living to tell the tale. Oh, yes, you have one other thing. I have one short thing. It's yes. just a gripe. Went to the opening 
of the forum season on Tuesday. La da 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 da. I'm going to see the fiddler on the roof. Uh. And of course, after standing there, Teach Chadal for a good 40 minutes, they canceled. Yeah. Sent everybody home because they had some plumbing issues, which apparently I've understood since then is ongoing in the forum. And everybody was sent packing with no. Well, we couldn't get more seats because, of course, they're sold out for the next, and then they're gone. Um, so we now we have to figure out how to get refunds. But well, I'm sure. I'm sure the refunds are are coming. Well, somehow. Well, yeah. Uh, depends, uh, depends how you paid. My question is, and this is this would be a good deep dive for you. Why isn't the Broome County whoever? Um, keeping that building in good repair because this is I have heard is an ongoing thing with the plumbing situation. You hmm. know? That's yeah. uh, an excellent question. And I will I will ask Broome County Executive Jason Garner that very question coming up next hour because he's gonna be on Thank the program. You. That would be fabulous because as I say it's it's repetitive. It isn't just something that happened yeah. And, you know, we, we're we one-off. I mean, I just wanted to see it and took fun. But the lady behind me said, wait a minute, I'm a season ticket holder. Who, re- who reimburses me? How do you go about reimbursing me when I bought the whole season? I'm not going tomorrow and take whatever seat you give me because I paid for a special seat on my season ticket. You know, it's, it's a conundrum. So, anyhow, that's that. I've had my say. All right. Well, thank you. You've given us plenty of food for thought. Food for thought. Have a great day. You too, Bob. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. 946, Bob Joseph, live on your side, on your side, at News Radio WNBF. Hey, Pete. News Radio 12. WNBF, Bob Joseph live, DJ in Binghamton. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. You know, I've hunted snakes since I was around nine years old. Uh, only one person has ever died from a boa constrictor, but 61 people have died from black bear attacks. So uh, there's your fun fact for the day. All right. Well, thanks for calling in. I had no idea. Hey, but I want, 
I wanted to say that uh, somebody mentioned my uh, second favorite politician earlier, and who AOC? Really... We have we haven't even gotten to AOC yet. <laughs> you must have been listening to no. uh, the podcast. No, AOC. You know, I probably would have dated back in my twenties, but now that I'm in my early thirties, yes, no, she's not my type anymore. But um, I do want to say that killing a black bear has been on my uh, bucket list, even though I'm only in my early 30s for a long time. No, uh, Carrie Lake, she's going to be our first woman president, I would hope. That's why I called to say that she is fabulous at what she does. And I'm glad. By I the way, I don't, dis- I don't disagree on that statement in uh, general. She is fabulous at what she does. Continue. Yeah, you know, and I was thinking about if she didn't make it in her race now, but um, Kamala, she wasn't anything either, and and she lost, and then uh, Mr. Biden there picked her up. So maybe Carrie Lake will marry uh, your uh, favorite politician down there at Florida. I think my favorite politician. I think Carrie Lake would make uh, Carrie Lake and the former guy would make a handsome couple. He's already married. To a very hot model, as I have been with many of them. Yeah, New York po- the New York Post published her pictures. Beverly from the town of Dickinson. Good morning. Hello, Bob. What's going on? Um, this summer, I've seen two uh, mother boxes uh, carrying babies, and you'll never guess where they was. In my shed. They were in your shed? Yep. We had just got through cutting the grass, and my daughter cleaned it off, and she um, went, went, went to look, and they were in, they were in there. And... I said to Sherry, leave the, leave the, leave the thing, the lawnmower, the lawnmower out, you know. Well, probably about an, oh, maybe two hours later, she took them out of there. The mother's dead. Wow. Well, that's something you don't expect. Uh Uh-uh. Nope. We've seen bears in our yard before. Yeah, well, it doesn't make it right. No, I mean we we we've seen them. They'll come up, they'll come out, and they'll go back up down the hill. All right. Well, keep me posted if you see another one. If you see another one, notify Fox Forty. Okay. Okay. Bye. Thanks. We're Geraldo down at the Fox News channels. Larry and Kirkwood, you're on. Oh wow. <laughs> what do you say about all that, man? Uh, first of all, let me comment on DJ. I agree with him about Carrie Lake. She would make an awesome president. Now, Auntie Yvonne, that girl needs a bunch of men with rifles there to guard her houses from bears. <laughs> oh, my goodness, a bear walking in your house. Because we've come to bears with the crossing along our uh, patio, you know, every once in a great while, you know. Oh, but uh, 
I would much rather face a bull with a constrictor rather than a bear. I would 100%. Because you could run from a bull with a constrictor, Chris. Uh, quickly. A bear comes at you, you're dead. Yeah, but at least you died doing what you like to do. I mean, that's what I, because I I would have my camera, I'd be taking video, and then I'd turn it over to uh, one of my colleagues. You know, they could, they could uh, get the, the video from my camera, and then they could post it at com, and a lot of people would view it, so it'd be a win-win. I can always be replaced, <laughs> but you can't always get great video of a bear attacking a journalist or asking a few too many questions. See what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. That would go national. I mean, they'd put that on the uh, um, who's the guy there at eight o'clock? Tucker Carlson. I always forget his first name. Tucker Carlson, and uh, he's um, he's certainly an American treasure in the opinion of many viewers. It's nine fifty-six. Coming up, we'll be talking live with Broome County Executive Jason Garner. I do have a few questions. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. Looking for Thursday morning, 10 o'clock, WNBF, Binghamton. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 49 degrees at 10.04. The winds have certainly picked up. Now out of the southwest, 12 miles an hour, gusting to 18. Forecast for today, still unseasonably warm sunshine and into the mid-60s. A Windsor man is guilty on weapon and other charges in connection with an incident in which he was shot by a Broome County Sheriff's deputy over a year ago. The trial of 46-year-old Jamie Crowley lasted about a week and a half. News accounts following the incident overnight July 2nd, 2021, reported Crowley was accused of firing a shot at a woman who had been making a K-turn at the end of the man's driveway on Cascade Valley Road. Law enforcement officials say the motorist had gotten lost and was attempting to turn around when a shot rang out. She was not heard. Deputies encountered Crowley on the front porch of his home armed with a 44 caliber revolver which he allegedly pointed at authorities and refused to put down when he was ordered to do so. When Crowley failed to disarm, Deputy Tommy Tran fired his service rifle at the man hitting him in the arm. Crowley was treated for a shoulder wound at Wilson Hospital and released. Broome County District Attorney's Office issued a statement days later saying it was determined Deputy Tran acted lawfully, justifiably, and in conformity with the policies of the Sheriff's Office and New York State in the shooting. Crowley was found guilty yesterday of felony criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, five counts of criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, and two counts of menacing. He was sent to the Broome County Jail without bail. The Broome County Sheriff's Office is investigating a serious crash that has reportedly sent a person to the hospital. Emergency services communications officials confirm the Harpersville Fire, Sanitaria Springs Rescue, Windsor Rescue, Sheriff's Deputies, Colesville, and Superior Ambulance Squads were all called to the area of 65 Route 235 in Harpersville at around quarter of nine last night with a report of a car that had gone down an embankment with a driver trapped inside. Authorities did not have information available about the driver's condition name or where they were from but officials said the motorist was alone in the vehicle. Authorities say the vehicle traveled about 10 yards down the embankment. Investigators with the Broome County Sheriff's Office are looking into the cause of that crash. No other vehicles apparently involved. WMBF News Time 1007 
The Binghamton City School District is announcing that for the first time since before the COVID-19 pandemic, the annual community Thanksgiving dinner hosted by honor students and other volunteers at the high school will be returning to its full in-person service. Residents have been gathering for a shared Thanksgiving Day feast for decades. The meal is always provided free to anyone who wants to attend, regardless of social or economic situation, with diners and volunteers alike saying the main attraction is the sense of community at the dinner. During the pandemic, pandemic, the meal was still served, but due to COVID restrictions and protocols, it was greatly scaled back and organizers reverted to a drive-up operation. This year, officials say there will not be any takeout. Students and staff spend weeks collecting donations to support the dinners and preparing the huge amounts of turkey, stuffing, potatoes, pies, and all the traditional trappings of the Thanksgiving feast. The 27th annual free community Thanksgiving dinner takes place from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. November 24th in the Binghamton High School cafeteria. Plans are underway to honor one of Binghamton's most famous sons with what could be a mecca for fans of classic television. The Greater Binghamton Chamber of Commerce, the agency, Rod Serling Memorial Foundation, the Serling Family, Conrad and Virginia Clee Foundation, Broome County City of Binghamton, and Assemblywoman Donna Lopardo made an announcement last week saying a study is underway for the development of the Rod Serling Dimensions of Imagination Center for Media and the Arts. The agency notes that the proposed center could be a great addition to the region's hospitality industry along the lines of other upstate New York tourist attractions such as the Desi Lucy Museum. Museum and National Comedy Center in Jamestown, the Mark Twain Center in Elmira, and the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. The feasibility study is slated to begin next month. The results and recommended actions will be announced possibly in the late spring. WMBF News Time 1008. You might have noticed a little activity in the town of Union in the area of Nanakoke Creek. A major water pipeline that supplies the Glendale and West Corner sections is being replaced. It crosses Nanakoke Creek between West Endicott and Glendale Park, and it broke last April. Uh, la- April of last year, Endicott Water Distribution Supervisor Jeff Cheney says a new 12-inch line is being put in under the creek. The work should be completed this week. Cheney says the village worked with the State Department of Environmental Conservation and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers in developing a plan to permanently replace that water line. WMBF News Time 1009. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast sunny today, a high in the mid-60s. The winds have picked up, though. We have gusts right now up to 18 miles an hour. Increase in clouds tonight, a low around 50. For tomorrow, a 100% chance of showers. Afternoon thunderstorms possible. Some storms could produce heavy rainfall. Wind gusts as high as 25 miles an hour, a high in the mid to upper 60s. The rain is expected to continue Friday night with showers, possibly a thunderstorm. Some storms producing heavy rainfall. Windy still gusts up to 29 miles per hour. Uh, Rainfall totals by Friday night could be 1 to 2 inches. Saturday, mostly cloudy, 30% chance of showers, high in the mid to upper 50s, still windy with gusts as high as 25 miles per hour. Things calming down and getting much colder on Sunday, mostly, or rather partly sunny, a high in the low 40s, and Monday, mostly sunny with a high only near 40. Currently, it's 49 in Binghamton. It's 10-12, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio 12.
Bob Joseph live presenting Ask the County Executive with Jason Garner. Good morning, Mr. Garner. Good morning, Mr. Joseph. So, are you prepared to answer a few questions? Why not? <laughs> That's what I often say. A lot of people <laughs> say, why not? He's just going to ask a few questions. What, you know, what harm could be done when you think about it? It's actually a public service for America. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, let's talk every it's all the rage. Everybody is still talking about the election here. Election Day was, gee, last Tuesday, and people are still talking about the election. First of all, uh, about the election results around here, what what are some of your takeaways to the way things turned out here in, in the Binghamton area? Well, I think it was, uh, I know you asked me about the local election, but I think it was, uh, I think it was interesting to see what happened nationwide. Um Having uh, you know taught American history, usually the party and uh, the presidential party, uh, the, the the party that the president is uh, is a part of, doesn't do too well in the uh, congressional elections, and that that seemed to uh, to not be the case this year. I think there's uh, some counting and some races to be done, but um, it, it looks like the Democrats are going to hold the Senate, and it looks like uh, it's kind of like uh, who knows what's going to happen in the the House of Representatives. So I'm not not really sure what happened there, but I think a lot of people that uh, it, it always ceases to amaze me the people that do polls and all that kind of stuff. I think a lot of people got it wrong again this time. Um, but uh, I guess it's, so. Were it's you nice disappointed? Were you, were you disappointed then the way things turned out nationally? No, I think I think that you know over you know for for Broome County like a lot of. You know, one of the the big things you know we we talk about a lot of things that we're we do. One of the big things that we were able to do was invest in in um, places like the mall. You see what's going on at the mall. You see what's going on at the IBM Country Club and Fifty Nine Lester, the Victory Building, and and other places. And uh, that's that's been a result of programs that have been passed in the last couple of years. The American Rescue Plan. You know, we were able to use funding to do that. So, you know, I I think I think those things have been helpful. Um, you know, I, I, I think, uh, I think what I wish I would see more of in Washington, D.C. is people, uh, compromise more and, uh, you know, because I think America was, I look at American history and I think, um, our best moments were when we were able to compromise. Not every, uh, party has a monopoly on all the good ideas. Um, now locally, you know, d- down here, I mean, I, th- I think it was, uh, I don't think it was, a I think, with the exception of some races, um, looking at you know putting my political observer hat on, with the exception of some races, I think, um, you know, the Republicans did uh, pretty well here. Um, you know, uh, but you know, Donald Lopardo, a Democrat, won her race. Uh, Leah Webb, although she didn't do really well in Broome County, won her race in the Senate district. Um, but Mark Molinaro, the Republican, uh, you know, was able to, uh, you know, do a little bit better in Broome County than Josh Riley. And, um, so I think you kind of had some, some mix, some mixed results there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with, uh, you know, we have a new sheriff, we have a new state center, but I think, uh, I think what we've been able to do over the past four or five years is really work together 
regardless of the political party here at the local level. So I think that, you know, we have some new people in new seats. You know, we have, uh, you know, Fred Akshar, who's in the sheriff's uh, seat, and it will take over in January. First time we've had a new sheriff, I think, in 24 years. And I think it's the first time we've had a, a Democrat as a state senator, and I, I, it was before I was alive. Um, so I think uh, I, I think uh, it, it's going to be really important that we can all work together, even though we're in different political parties, to to move Broome County, keep moving Broome County in the right direction. So can you, as county executive, a Democrat, work well with Fred Akshar, a Republican, who's now a state senator, and January 1st will become Broome County Sheriff? Can you have a good working relationship? Yeah, I can have a good relationship because I do have a good working relationship with him as a senator. Even though he's a Republican? Come on, man. Well, yeah. By the way, it's tongue-in-cheek. No, I I know that generally county executives, not just here but elsewhere in New York State, generally they develop a pretty good working relationship with state and federal representatives, irrespective of party. Yeah, I mean... uh, you know, the center was was very helpful on a lot of issues over the past, you know, five or six years that I've been kind of executive, just like uh, Donald Lepardo, who's a Democrat, has been very helpful as well. I had a good working relationship with Sheriff Harder over the past six years. And, um, you know, we I think as we, we move forward and um, over the next couple of years, I think it's really important to continue the work that we've done. I think there's some things that I think uh, we really need to focus a little bit more on, um, you know, certainly crime is one. Um, and, you know, having a new sheriff uh, has, you know, affords an opportunity to have a little different perspective on things. But I've had a really good working relationship with, with Fred, and um, we're, we're going to make sure that he has the resources he needs to be a good sheriff. Because I think the, the, the better sheriff somebody is, the, the, the better our community will be in terms of uh, public safety. As far as the state Senate now being represented by a Democrat, Leah Webb defeating the Republican Richard David, uh, former mayor of Binghamton, what uh, impact do you think that ultimately may have for Broome County? Would would it make a big difference regardless of how that uh, state Senate race had turned out? Well, I think the way Albany works is that it's always helpful to have the um, the person that you're Albany represented, whether it's in the the uh, the state senate or the state assembly, um, in the majority. And so, you know, Don, Don Lopardo has been very effective in using her seniority and um, her status as a you know a majority a member of the majority in the assembly to get resources back to Broome County um, from Albany. And, you know, that's what we're going to be uh, looking at, at Leah Webb to do. Leah Webb's in the, the majority. A lot of resources, uh, you know, are available uh, in Albany. And uh, we're going to make sure that, you know, we can work with her to get those resources uh, down to Broome County um, when they're, you know, as, as much as possible. So whether it's money for more housing or more roads or, you know, uh, more public safety initiatives. Um, you know, I think I think that's uh, just the way Albany is. I think it's it's better to have a representative that is in the majority party. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see how uh you know how how things are governed because uh you know the, this new senate district it's in uh I, th- I think it's in three counties, and I think uh, Cortland is a small little part of the county, but it's 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 mostly in Tompkins and in Broome. And you know, Tompkins, obviously, with Ithaca being in it, is a very um, much more progressive liberal area uh, than Broome County is. Broome County is more of a moderate kind of center right county, and then you know, trying to represent the interests of uh, her whole district. Uh, you know, I I think that's gonna you know. That's going to be something that's really important for her. But you know, just going back to the majority, I think you know we've we've got two people in the assembly and the senate who are in the majority, and as a county executive, I'm you know along with the two hundred thousand people who live in Broome County, we're going to be looking to make sure that they can bring those resources back here and, and help our community. Have you spoken with Mark Molinaro? I have. I've uh, you know I, so I've known I've known. Um, County Executive Molinaro for about six years because we are both county executives and um, I, uh, I I go to uh, various uh, county executive meetings and you know we kind of share information about what's going on in each of our communities and I, I got to know him a lot more during the COVID uh, the COVID years because uh, of course as you know counties were kind of on the the forefront of that response so. Um, yeah, so I, I uh, you know, yesterday when the, uh, the they called the race and um, Josh Riley conceded, I, um, you know, reached out to Mark and, um, you know, I like Josh Riley. I like both of them. Josh Riley's a, you know, good guy. Um, you know, he was somebody that I supported, but I also have a really good re- working relationship with, with Mark and, um, you know, we're going to grab lunch before Thanksgiving and I'm going to... I'm going to fill him in on all the things he can do, uh, you know, for Broome County when he goes off to, to Washington next year. So, um, you know, like I said, we're we're not in the same political party, but I don't think that that should. Um, I think people want to see things get done, and you know that that's my commitment to people in Broome County. That you know, I don't care what political party you're in, we're going to work with you to make the community a better place. Kathy Hochul won, but. She uh, had a, a far more competitive race against Lee Zeldin than many people expected. Were you surprised mm-hmm. that it was uh, became a relatively tight race, especially in the closing weeks of the campaign? No, I wasn't. I mean, you know, usually, uh, typically, uh, you know, this is a blue state, but um, you know, Kathy had had not really won a run a statewide race. She. She, uh, of course, was uh, you know came in as lieutenant governor after the previous governor resigned. So it's kind of an open race, and I think that um, you know she concentrated a lot on um, the abortion issue, and her opponent concentrated a lot on the cost of living and and crime issues. And I think in a blue state, I think at the end of the day, in a blue state where you know abortion rights are protected, I, I think people looked more into, um, you know, they, they, they were, they were thinking more about pocketbook issues and public safety issues. And I think that, you know, gave him an opportunity to, to make the race closer than it was. Speaking, than it, than it might have been. We're speaking with the Broome County Executive Jason Garner on a Thursday morning. I'm Bob Joseph. We'll have more. 
coming right up on News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. One of the top. Bob Joseph live at 1027 on WNBF. Broome County Executive Jason Garner is chatting with us today. Today is B-Day, budget vote day for the legislature, and lawmakers will uh, uh, adopt a final spending plan for 2023. Are you anticipating changes in what you proposed to uh, lawmakers several weeks ago? No, we're not. I mean, I, I presented the budget over to the legislature in September, and you know they they've taken the last couple months and gone through it with a, a fine tooth comb. And you know, I, I don't anticipate a a lot of a lot of major changes. Um, you know, the, the legislature always has, uh, as they should. Um, it's an equal branch of government. You know, ideas about certain things, but I, I certainly don't. Anticipate a lot of major changes. I think a lot of legislators were happy with the the budget containing a, a small property tax cut, and they liked the the infrastructure stuff that we're doing with our roads, and you know, getting some money out into the community to to work on our infrastructure. You had a big announcement uh, not too long ago about air service in Binghamton. So all the people who love Detroit, the people who are fond of the Motor City, soon are going to be sadly out of luck if they wanted a direct flight to uh, Detroit and, and to Michigan. There's so many great things in Michigan, but that's uh, coming to an end because Delta has uh, decided to suspend or end service to Detroit in favor of New York City. Yeah, so I look at this as a real big positive for for Broome County. So we were going from um, one flight um, a day to Detroit, and now we're going to pick up two flights to New York, and the planes are going to be bigger. So we were, I think the the flights going to Detroit were like 50 uh, passenger planes, and these are like 80 passenger planes that are going. So it's almost like triple the amount of service that we're going to be able to provide. It's uh, a little bit shorter, and there's just about as many routes um, flying out of LaGuardia than there are out of Detroit. So, you know, larger planes, uh, more flights, uh, those are those are good things. It builds on our, our service uh, that we're actually going to have our inaugural flight, builds on the service that we were able to get a, and announce a couple months ago through uh, to Florida. And, um, you know, we're, uh, again, uh, up until a couple months ago, we hadn't had new service in 20 years in, in Broome County, and now we have a couple announcements of, of new service. So I'm, I'm really excited about that, and I think you're going to see some more announcements coming out of the airport going into next year or two. How tough is it going to be to um, have nearly full uh, Delta planes going from uh, Greater Binghamton Airport to LaGuardia? Will, will that be a, a big challenge to get, get to the point where – where uh, the people at Delta will say it's it's worth keeping that service with those uh, larger aircraft. Well, I think you know Delta does a pretty in-depth uh, needs analysis in terms of what the catchment area is for um, people that that need flights, and we certainly uh, we, we, the the flights are at better times. We we like that, and um, you know the, one of the things that people didn't like was. Uh, you know, having to go halfway across the country only to, to come back to like, if they wanted to go to, 
I'm just going to pick something. If they want to go to Atlanta, they'd have to go halfway across the country to the Midwest and then, you know, come all the way across back, you know, south and, and get to Atlanta. And people just didn't like that. So um, I think people are going to, they're, they're going to like the fact that the planes are bigger. They're going to like the fact that there's more flights and that the flights aren't going halfway across the country. LaGuardia just had a huge, inv- they just did like a, a billion dollar reno- renovation, I think, at their that their airport that they just finished a month or two ago. So it's it's really a beautiful airport, tons of connections to just about any place. So um, I, I think people are going to like it. And I think, uh, you know, the, the hope is, is that we're going to be able to fill up those flights and, um, you know, maybe they'll uh, look at some other places that we can fly out of um, from Broome County in, in the next year or so as well, if we can fill up those flights. Because it's, you know, you make a good point. We will keep the service and we'll get more service if people use the service. But if people aren't going to use the service, you know, we're not going to be able to to keep it. So use it or lose it. Use it or lose it. That's that's what it's that's what it's all about. But I think, you know, if you look at the flights to um, Florida, if you look at you see that Delta increased their flights here. I I think that there's, uh, you know, the, the private sector is definitely looking at our community and seeing that there's a lot of potential. And, you know, like you said, we just have to, uh, to, to use the new service that we got. And I, and I think if we do, we'll, we'll, we'll end up getting more service. Is the, um, new service agreement or the service change that's coming in January for Delta, uh, accompanied by any sort of promotional budget, similar to what was included with the, uh, county's deal with Avello airlines? There wasn't any. There weren't any incentives. It's ten thirty-three. Well, speaking of Avello, is it true that the first flight from Greater Binghamton Airport to Orlando will be taking place next Wednesday? Yeah, it's a it's a pretty big deal. Um, I, you know, again, we haven't really had uh, you know new new service for twenty years, but in the airline industry, that that first flight is a is is a pretty big deal, and that there's a there's there's a you know, a lot of uh, there's a big event as a result of that. Um, this happens in a lot of a lot of airports, I guess. So yeah, we're uh, you know we're going to be up there. The Chamber of Commerce is going to be up there. People from Avell are going to be up there to to see that first flight, which uh, you know we, we believe is going to be the first of many flights to Florida. Are you know it's going to take off. It's going to be fun. So are they going to turn it into some kind of a media event? I think they are. I think there is going to be some type of, uh, yeah, because uh, I think there's, uh, it, it's going to, you know, it, it's kind of like a maiden voyage, you know, like uh, you, you, uh, you know, build this huge, uh, you know, like cruise line boat or anything like that. You know, your, your first, uh, the first time you put it in the water and you go out on your journey, it's a, it's a big deal. And, you know, we want it to be a big deal and we want to, you know, we want to talk it up. We want to get people interested in it. And um, yeah, so that, so definitely uh, the first flight will be a, will be a pretty big deal. We've been waiting for new air service, like I said, for 20 years. So we're, we're definitely going to, you know, raise a lot of awareness about it. Because, what you know, we want people just not in Broome County to use that airport and to use those flights. We want people in Tioga County, Chemung County, Cortland County, Shenango County, Delaware County, basically, uh, you know, uh, counties near us to, to utilize that as well. Um, so we're definitely going to make a big deal about it, and we're going to publicize the fact that we have new air service whenever we can. You alluded to the prospect of additional service enhancements 
as we uh, approach the new year or maybe into 2023. Those likely be announcements involving Delta and Avello, or is the county in talks with other carriers? We're in talks with a lot of other carriers. Uh, we're not, you know, we're certainly in talks with um, Avello and Delta, but you know, we we cast a large net when it comes to air service, and you know, we'll we'll talk to any airline that will talk to us about getting new service routes. So, uh, you know, Mark DeKeefner, who's you know, has had the job for a couple of years, has been a real uh, ball of energy up there in terms of his work and getting new service to the airport and getting our big airport renovation grant. Um, but he's not, he's not a guy that just, you know, stops when he gets some things. He wants to, you know, get a lot more service up there. So, you know, he still is uh, working very diligently along with our administration and, and talking to airlines and, and getting more service. More with Broome County Executive Jason Garner coming up on this Thursday morning. I'm Bob Joseph, live on News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. Who takes... Ten thirty nine WNBF WNBF dot com. Bob Joseph with you, along with the Broome County Executive Jason Garner. Uh, we've been getting some inquiries about what's been going on over at the Forum Theater. The other night, the uh, performance of Fiddler on the Roof was was uh, suddenly canceled. Some people said there was a transportation issue. Bus the bus with some performers may have been late, and other people say that it had something to do with a, a plumbing problem at the Forum. Uh, what do you know? You know, I don't know a whole lot about that. I'm, you know, I heard a little bit about that. I, I think I'm going to have to talk to, to Chris Marion. We'll, we'll get back to you on that. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly all the things that that happened with that. I think was it the first night that was canceled, and did yes. they have it the second night, or they, I can't um, remember. They, yeah, based on what I've read on the on the messages from the forum on on the Facebook page, Tuesday's performance was canceled, and then the Wednesday night performance last night was was held, and people who had tickets for Tuesday could have exchanged them for last night's performance, or if they uh, prefer, they can get a refund. I'm not, I'm I'm just not uh, completely dug into all the things that that, that led up to the cancellation of the show, but I'll get that information from Chris Marion, who runs the forum in the arena, and we'll get back to you on that. Have, have there been plumbing issues? Any ongoing plumbing issues or other mechanical or or, or issues at the Forum Theater that uh, need to be addressed? Not. I, I mean, I think there was. There, I think part of the issue with the cancellation was was the plumbing issue, but I, I don't think this has been an outstanding problem um, at, at at the Forum. Um, I think there were other issues that went into the cancellation, but um, you know, like I said, I'll I'll touch base with Chris Marion and we'll get that information for you. All right. Generally speaking, have there been, to your recollection, have there been any any other problems in in recent months at the forum or also at the larger facility down the street at the arena? You know, not that I not that I know of. Um, I think a couple of years ago, there. I think the didn't the electricity go out once. Um, it may have been a year or two ago. I can't. I can't remember. There was some electrical issues, but um, you know, we do, we uh, you know tr- we, we try to maintain these facilities. These are you know older 
facilities, but we we do uh, you know try to maintain them as, as best as we can. But you know, every once in a while, like anything, there there's there's some some issues. But um, you know, I'll check into that particular issue that happened uh, the night before with Chris, and we'll get back to you and fill you in on what happened. Any plans to privatize either or both of the facilities? Uh, no, we don't have any plans to privatize the facilities. Does anybody ever talk about it? No, not not really. I mean, um, no, uh, not not in a long time. Nobody nobody's talked about that. I mean, I I think in previous administrations, like even before the the previous one that uh, before me, I mean, there's always been talk about it, but, um, you know, it, it's one of those services that, that people want, but, um, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's hard to make money on it. It's, it's more of a service that we want to provide to the community. People want to see hockey. People want to see these shows. Um, it's, it's, it's just kind of a, a, a part of, uh, enhancing the, you know, our community and our, our, the things that we have going on in our community. So, um, you know, we, uh, not to my memory have we ever had somebody that's ever been seriously, you know, interested in in buying the arena or, or buying the forum. And um, you know, we, we we like how those things are going. Chris Marion's doing a good job of, of managing those places, and um, you know, we're, we're happy with it, and we don't intend to make any changes there. Somebody once told me that everything ultimately is for sale. So if someone came along with uh, sure. an offer, it would be considered? Yeah, I mean, um, if somebody comes along with a billion dollars to buy the arena and the forum, um, I, just so everybody is very clear on this, we will accept that offer. So, uh, the, you know, we, we will certainly, we, we, we would certainly make that offer. So, yeah, I'm sure everything is for for sale. Yeah, and, and you're using billion dollars as, as pie in the sky, but I mean, the, <laughs> the extension is if somebody came along with what seemed to be a serious and reasonable offer, you and I'm sure the legislature would at least entertain it or at least discuss it to see whether that might be in the best interest of the county. Exactly, but we would also have to, there's a lot of sensitivity that, you know, to both of these facilities. Um, if anybody came with any type of offer, and nobody has, but if anybody came with any offer to do it, I think, you know, we, besides looking at what the offer was, I'd want to know what was happening there because, you know, we want to provide high-quality family entertainment at both of those venues. And if somebody was to come and say, well, I want to make the arena a big parking lot or the world's biggest storage facility, um, you know, we, we wouldn't really be interested in doing that. Uh, same thing with the forum. If they wanted to turn it into student housing, you, we wouldn't want to see that happen because one of the things that we want to do more of is draw more people to this area. And you've got to have stuff going on. You've got to have uh, off-Broadway shows and you've got to have entertainment like hockey and, you know, concerts and, and, and things like that. So, um, you know, that's why we make investments in these things because, uh, you know, when, if I, and I know I talk about this a little bit too much, but I'm going to say it again. If, if we're going to be the area where if we're competing against Elmira or we're competing against Scran or another area, you know, we have to have these types of things. This is what companies look at. This is what people look at when they think of taking a job here. So, you know, we, we want to, we want to keep that stuff going. We like these things. It's, it's good for our community. 
Speaking with Broome County Executive Jason Gardner on this Thursday morning, I'm Bob Joseph. We'll have more coming up in just a moment on News Radio, WNBF 921 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming live at WNBF.com. Are you looking for. Ten fifty, Bob Joseph live on News Radio WNBF WNBF.com. And our conversation continues with Broom County Executive Jason Garner. And Mr. Garner occurs to me we haven't talked about Willow Point. The Willow Point nursing home has been off my radar now for at least the last several months. It was uh, a topic of uh, so many conversations about a year ago. And then And the, um, the bottom line is, when it comes to the, the Willow Point Nursing Home, we're all concerned about the status. Where do things stand with Willow Point? Well, I think the fact that you haven't heard any news about Willow Point, I think at Willow Point, uh, no news is good news. Um, we think Centers has done a really good job coming in and helping us manage the facility. We're really happy with the contract, we have been able to increase our census. I don't know what our census is right now, but I know we, we I think uh, at one point, uh, at the low point, our census, I think, had dipped below 180. I think we're well above 200. I haven't checked in the last couple of weeks. Um, trying to, uh, and, and on the other end, trying to hire more people. Uh, we did upgrade um, uh, CNAs and nurses. Um, earlier this year, and then we put it into our budget to do that. But you know what we're so and, pay, and really pay increases to, have have been put in place to make the jobs more attractive. Upgrades to our CNAs and nurses. We upgraded those positions, mm-hmm. and is um, that is does that seem to be helping? Um, it 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 seems to be. Uh, I, I it's helpful, but it's it's not. Again, this is like every facility in the United States. Uh, whether it's a it's a hospital or nursing facility, it, it's uh, it's basically getting us through. Um, you know, we're we're in an environment where there's just not a lot of people that are willing to to work at these jobs. But you know, our our whole thing with bringing centers in was to prevent us from closing. And so, not only have we done that, we've increased the census and. We they are doing a they're really digging into a lot of the billing issues that have plagued the facility and have you know really plagued taxpayers um, for a long time now. Um, their their whole billing department has been plugged into the operation, um, and they're doing a better job of of collecting bills um, that of course is you know needed. If people don't pay their bills, then you can't run the facility. And that was one of the other things, along with the staffing issues that we had, were, were the the billing issues. So, you know, really happy with our new administrator, Adam Aronoff. Um, you know, he, he's working well in the in the facility. So, um, but but it's been very challenging. I'm just going to be honest with with everybody. It, it's it's a very very challenging uh, to to run that facility. Um, it, it's been the the biggest challenge that I've had as a county executive, especially going through COVID, um, to run that facility and, and to keep that open. 
Well, as you said, the county, I believe you were quoted as saying the county can't afford to lose 7 or $8 million every two years on Willow Point. So to that end, looking at uh, with the work now that it's being overseen by uh, the center's organization, Centers for Care, LLC, does that mean that the lost for the the coming year is going to be significantly less? They got their, you know, we we signed the contract in the early part of the year. They got plugged into their billing sometime in the the summer. So, you know, I want to see what they do for a whole body of work. But in terms of, you know, just just talking about the the culture over there has, has changed, and in, in, in terms of the billing, to the to the good part, because you know our expectation is that um, people need to pay their bills, and you know for a long time at the facility, sometimes people weren't paying their bills that could certainly afford to pay their bills, and so uh, you know the culture has changed. Where the, the challenge is, is you know in a in a it, it's, it's it's very difficult for a government facility to run. A massive healthcare operation like that, um, for for a lot of different reasons um, that I don't have time to get into. So, you know, the challenge has been with the the, the new billing uh, that that's been put in, hiring the people that are needed to to keep up with the billing. But certainly, the culture there has changed. That if you have the if you have the ability to pay and you're not paying, our expectation is that you need to, and um, you know, along with some other things that they've done, we we think that um, they're doing a lot better job with collecting bills from the facility and and then you know allowing Willow Point to uh, run because the you know the more bills that we collect, the the better we're going to be able to do in terms of hiring more staff and and paying our bills. It's ten fifty five. We're talking with Broome County Executive Jason Garner. A few weeks ago, when you were on, you gave us an update on the plans to develop the Veterans Resource Center on Binghamton's North Side. Where do things stand on that? Any any new developments as the county moves forward? Nope. The the uh, I, I was actually just looking at the plans for the facility, and uh, the design work is basically done. We have a, a building that's going to be a one-stop shop for veterans' resources and services here in the county. We're also going to have uh, five tiny home duplexes that are going to be built on the property as well. And our engineering and public works departments uh, will will be putting all that work out to bid in the winter time, and then the construction will start sometime next year and wrap up sometime in 2024. So we're 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 moving it forward, and everything's going on schedule there. What's going on with this land purchase of um, what is it, three hundred acres or so up near the airport? What's that about? Uh, basically, uh, in a nutshell, with a you know, I think I got two or three more minutes left here, but um, to to speak to it really quickly, um, Broome County has run out of developable land. There's not a, a lot of land that is. Um, you know, shovel ready for businesses to come in. Um, you know, we we have a lot of businesses that inquire and they need um, a million square feet of space. And, you know, of course, they need all the utilities connected to that. So the last time we built an industrial park in Broome County, I believe, was 1984 when we when we built the industrial park out in, uh, out in Kirkwood. And um, it's been 40 years. And it's all filled up. 
And so the agency has been uh, looking at a number of different sites that will be able to accommodate these requests. I mean, we we get requests all the time for uh, developable land for, you know, for uh, companies large and small to come in. And so that's, you know, over the next couple of years, uh, we're looking to develop more property to bring more jobs here in Broome County. And the agency apparently agreed to pay um, a significant premium for for the acreage, uh, substantially yep. more than than the appraisal price. Yep, that's correct. They uh, they they have an option to buy about three hundred acres of land up. Uh, it, it's actually uh, intersects the town of Union in the town of Maine. We were actually just talking to the both of their supervisors yesterday at a meeting about this and about what what's going to have to happen with zoning and, and putting in utilities and developing the site and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, the bottom line is that um, we need industrial park property to bring in more jobs and we just, we've, we've run out of it. We, we've run out of, you know, we've redeveloped all of the old industrial buildings. We've redeveloped all of our retail sites. Our industrial park is full and if we really want to bring more jobs and more opportunity here, we really have to look at at other at developing new uh, sites uh, to accommodate, um, you know, the the people. I mean, literally, uh, Stacy Duncan, the head of the agency, gets uh, requests to large and small, and um, at this point, she has to pass on a lot of them because we don't have the space. So the whole idea is to increase the amount of space that we have available for companies to come into Broome County and bring in jobs here. Well, this need to be approved then by the county legislature? I think I think there's going to be some type of approval process. There's there's uh you know we're we're going to have to look to redevelop the site. That's going to cost some money. We're looking at a lot of state grants or some new state grant opportunities uh where we believe that we can access a good amount of money to help develop the site. So we have to bring all the utilities onto the site um to be able to uh create a shovel ready site. So um, I, I would expect that there's going to be some um, approvals from the county legislature, and then we're going to go and um, access, uh, you know, probably millions of dollars of grants from the state and also the federal government as well to to develop a site. Now, you mentioned conversations with town of Union and town of Maine officials. Uh, will those towns have to take any action prior, or do you want them to take any kind of action prior to the acquisition of, of this acreage? Oh, I think I think what they're going to need to do as we get into the development of the site, I mean, right now what they're doing is they have an option on the site and they're doing all their, their environmental work to make sure that this, you know, this, this site is the site that we want to do this. I think everything's going to turn out fine, but, you know, before you invest a lot of money in it, you want to make sure that the site is clean and and you can you can develop a site here environmentally. Um, after that, and after the property is purchased, the, both of those towns are going to get have to go through the approval process. There's a, you know, this is this is a large site that's going to come to those towns. A lot of opportunity, but they're going to have to go through all the zoning approval uh, processes that any other development you know would have to to go through. So that's that's kind of one of the big roles that they will have to play going forward over the next year or so. And then under the best case scenario, how how quickly do you think that this site would be ready for potential development? I think it's going to take a couple years. I, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's going to take a couple months to do the environmentals. 
it's going to take probably a good six to 12 months to, to get the, the funding in place. And then there's the infrastructure work that has to be done to the site, right? Like bringing all the, bringing the, the electricity, the, the, uh, the internet, the, you know, all the utilities and, and things like that to the site. Um, I, I think my, my guess is it would probably take a, a couple of years, but, um, you know, I give a lot of credit to the, to the agency for, for thinking about this and, and putting in the, the work in now to, to get the conversation started about this and, and getting us to the point where we are. Broome County Executive Jason Garner, thanks for your time. Thank you, Bob. Have a great day. Listening to News Radio, WNBF Binghamton. It's your reputation on the line. So what do you do when you don't agree with your search results? Call Reputation Defender at 800-401-6681. Reputation Defender by Norton is one of the most trusted names in online reputation repair. We have over a decade of experience in fixing people's search results, and we can help you too. Using cutting-edge approaches, Reputation Defender pushes unflattering information down to lower pages of your search results, where few people ever look. We also promote the good stuff so that it rises to the top, letting you put your best foot forward. Your good name is too valuable to leave to the whims of a Google algorithm. You owe it to yourself to take control with Reputation Defender. Visit www.reputationdefender.com or call 800-401-6681 for free advice on your situation. 800-401-6681. That's 800-401-6681. An investigation is underway in Mexico City after the deaths of several Americans. ABC's Matt Rivers is there. The families of four tourists killed by carbon monoxide poisoning in two different Mexico City vacation rentals demanding answers. Authorities say Americans Candace Florence, Jordan Marshall and Cortez Hall were all found dead in their Airbnb rental on October 30th. Florence's family telling ABC News they were in town to join Day of the Dead celebrations. Airbnb has canceled all reservations at that rental involved in one of the incidents. World leaders are still debating how to deal with climate change at the U.N.'s annual climate conference this year in Egypt. President Biden heads there tomorrow, then he'll go to the G20 summit next week. Video game players who bought into Google's system called Stadia are now getting refunds. Google has given up on the game streaming service and says it'll be shut down in January. It's now refunding users for the games they bought. Jim Ryan, ABC News. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. One more nice day for us today. Sunshine and unseasonably mild temperatures in the mid-60s. And then we've got some rain moving in. The Twin Tiers could be in for over two inches of rain as the remains of Hurricane Nicole move up the East Coast. The National Weather Service office in Binghamton advises that moderate to heavy rain is likely to impact much of the central New York area and northeast Pennsylvania tomorrow into early Saturday. NOAA was predicting the rain to start tomorrow morning with the possibility of heavy rain into the afternoon. Thunderstorms were also said to be possible in the afternoon. Forecasters added Nicole, which hit floor Florida early today is a rare late season hurricane could be coming through the northeast as the remnants of a tropical storm but still packing some strong wind gusts officials were projecting the winds to gust up to 25 miles per hour that rainfall could become heavy at times into friday night bringing a possibility of flooding issues the national weather service this morning was looking for the overnight friday new rainfall totals to possibly reach one to two inches winds were still to be
be an issue overnight Friday with gusts approaching 30 miles per hour. Heavy rain and wind also expected to continue into the morning on Saturday. Before Nicole was expected to move away later in the day on Saturday, the wind was still expected to gust up to 25 miles per hour. With a lot of leaves down, there is a potential for clogging of storm drains adding to the road flooding issues. If there is a storm drain near your home or business, you're asked to clear it of debris if possible. A Port Crane family is homeless after fire burned their house to the ground overnight. Firefighters found the house at 164 Dumas Hill Road in Port Crane fully engulfed in flames when they arrived at around 9 p.m. Broome County Emergency Services operators say they had received no reports from the scene of any injuries. Firefighters from Port Crane, Shenango Bridge, and Five Mile Point responded with several pumper tankers brought into that rural location to provide water to the fire scene. The very first unit arriving on the scene from the Port Crane Fire Department reported 90% of the structure was already gone. Emergency Services officials did not have any information this morning regarding whether anyone was home at the time, how many people live at the home, and whether it's believed the fire may have started. The firefighters were on that scene for several hours. The cause of the blaze remains under investigation. In the struggle for control of Congress, the redrawn congressional districts in New York are being looked at at playing an important part in the balance of power in Washington. A lot of attention is being focused downstate as well. Republican Mike Lawler defeated Representative Sean Patrick Maloney in New York City's northern suburbs, and the GOP swept all four House seats on Long Island as the party closed in on its largest share of the state's congressional delegation in two decades. Two races were too early to call yesterday, but Republicans' strong showing in the suburbs helped them win at least 10 of the 26 seats New York State will have in Congress next year, two more than their current representation in what is now a 27-seat delegation. Beyond voter dissatisfaction over the economy and crime, Democrats appeared to be hurt badly by the collapse of their attempt to gerrymander the boundaries of New York's congressional districts. Courts threw out maps that had been passed by the legislature, controlled by the Democrats and signed by Democrat Governor Kathy Hochul, citing procedural errors and excessive partisanship. A court appointee then drew new maps that prioritized competition. The result has been more close matchups than the state has seen since the late 1990s when Republicans represented 13 of what was then New York's 31 congressional districts. Many of the GOP wins this week were close, like Mark Molinaro's victory in a sprawling new congressional district that stretches from the Hudson Valley to the Finger Lakes region and includes Binghamton. Molinaro, the Dutchess County Republican executive, defeated Democrat Josh Riley, an attorney hailing from Broome County. Riley conceded the race yesterday afternoon. Molinaro lost a race to represent a different version of the 19th congressional district in a special election in August before the maps were redrawn again. The Associated Press was not declaring a winner in Syracuse and its suburbs where Republican Brandon Williams held a narrow lead and in the Hudson Valley where U.S. Congressman Pat Ryan was cleaning into a narrow lead over Republican Colin Schmidt. The second term state assemblyman Schmidt, however, has conceded that race. Plans are underway to honor one of Binghamton's most famous sons that could be also becoming a mecca for fans of the classic television series. Greater Binghamton Chamber of Commerce, the agency, and the Rod Serling Memorial Foundation, as well as Serling's family and others, have unveiled plans for a study of a possible development of the Rod Serling Dimensions of Imagination Center for the Media and the Arts in Binghamton. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM.
go again with Bob Joseph Live. Oh, 607-772-1290. Operators are no longer standing by. They got tired of standing. Now they're seated. Now they're enjoying luxurious Comfortable seats. Operators are sitting by. <laughs> News Radio. All right, let's take a call. Good morning, WNBF. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Oh, hi, my name's Bob. I'm calling from Vestal. Hi, Bob from Vestal. What's up? Oh, I got a question for the election. Uh, maybe you guys can help me out. Um, I'm trying to figure out. We had, uh, well, we got uh, 62 counties in New York State, and uh, from what I saw on the map, that seven of them uh, voted blue, and the other 55 voted red. Uh, I'm trying to figure out uh, how the uh, seven blue counties outvoted the other 55 red counties. Maybe your listeners can help me with that. What's your specific question? What What would you ask if if a random listener called right now, what would you ask her? Well, how would uh, how would the blue county vote add up to more than uh, 55 red counties? Because they're in the more populous areas, places like the Big Apple, places that are densely populated, as opposed to places like Tioga and Shenango and Delaware County, where there aren't as many people. So most New York counties, as you know, are relatively sparsely populated. Some counties are don't have many people at all, sadly. That's, wh that's where we should, by the way, we should put in some new housing developments in those counties because they have plenty of room and put in some um, big box stores and apartment complexes and uh, increase the population so New York at least the upstate area would wind up having more more of a say in in the elections oh did New York City vote in this election or not I'm afraid they did they're they're like they uh, they're like all Americans they're you know whether whether you like their politics they're allowed everybody in New York City is allowed to cast a vote yeah because I didn't know about the redistricting thing but so what? What uh, my question is: There's more people living in those in those seven blue counties than there are living in the 55 red counties. Well, I don't know the exact numbers, but but to your point, yeah, yeah, yeah the will yeah. of five, the overall combined will of five heavily populated, densely populated counties in New York State can certainly. Uh, override the will of, of voters in 55 other counties? If that's if that's the question, the answer is absolutely. 
Yeah, well, I saw another problem on those Dominion voting machines. That seems to be a problem that keeps cropping up. And what what seems to be the problem with Dominion voting machines? Well, uh, they had a lot of some irregularities in there where uh, a ballot didn't... Where, in New York State? Uh, From what I'm seeing, uh, different states. Well, cite your source so I can look it up. What's the source of... Of uh, your information about Dominion voting machines, I want to I want to go directly to the article. What's what's the source? Okay, well, uh, I can't. Uh, I had it on my phone a while back. Was, okay. Uh, well, when you find the article, when you find the article, Bob, please call back in and um, give me cite the website and and maybe even give me the URL so I can review the the article because. I'm very concerned about voting machines. I am the most concerned person in Binghamton when it comes to voting machines. So look up the story and then call me right back, okay? Well, uh, from what I saw... No, I mean, not what you saw. Would you do me a favor right now, as soon as we wrap up, look up the story and then call me back so I can look up the story myself, okay? Yep, I'll see if I can find it. Well, thanks for your time. I appreciate okay. it. Okay, thank you for looking that up for me. It's 1114 WNBF, WNBF.com. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? I'm Carmen. Swaffer. Carmen is my first name, right? Mm-hmm. Right from Binghamton. Yeah, what's up? Well, uh, I just wanted to spread the word about uh, our multicultural festival coming up on Saturday. Oh, that's or... right. It's it's just around the corner. I forgot. <laughs> I know. I guess that's why I need to remind everybody, right? <laughs> sure, sure. There's a lot going yeah. on, so people need to be constantly reminded. And we are so thankful for your program. It's it's a great a great way to get the news out. So we're doing this um, in cooperation with the American Civic Association and uh, the Children's Home of Wyoming uh, Conference. They actually have their after-school program uh, in our building. So they will have tables. Uh, There'll be a table with children's activities. We're going to have a children's book giveaway. We've got China represented. We've got the Graduate African Student Organization that will have a table, and Greece, and we've got two tables um, that are going to be, uh, I think those are even going to be food from India, Lebanon, Nicaragua. We've got the Alaya Music School. Michael Alaya is from Nigeria. His wife is from Cuba, and so, so there's going to be some... Uh, African drumming. Uh, we've got Saudi Arabia represented, and Brenda Cave James will be there with a table uh, with information about the Underground Railroad. We've got Encore Plus <laughs> there uh, talking about uh, breast health and having giveaways for the girls. And we've got the Broome County Health. Um, they're going to have a COVID clinic there. So if you need a, a COVID vaccine or booster, they'll be there for that. In addition, we've got some amazing performances. We're going to have the bagpipers, 
We're going to have uh, Carl School of Irish Dance. We're going to have a Salsa Rueda demonstration and African gospel dance from one of the churches. So, um, and I did already talk about the African drummer from Nigeria. So, um, we're going to have food. But did you even <laughs> mention where all this is happening? This is happening at <laughs> Boulevard United Methodist Church, 113 Grand Boulevard. Yeah. And there's, we've got, we've it's got easy to find, point. by the way. I mean, it would be, how can I put it? It's hard to miss. It's on the it's on the west end of Grand Boulevard, conveniently located at Floral Avenue. So if, if you know where the arch is, the Binghamton-Johnson City Arch, and then you go down Floral Avenue, it's pretty hard to miss the church. There we are, right on the corner. We're the beacon on the corner. That's what we're known for, the, white, the, the lighthouse on the corner. So that's what we're attempting to be, um, even at this at this event, you know, to just reach out. Everything is free. There's uh, there's no cost. And Have you ever been up there be on the top there, right uh, at, at the top of the thing? It looks like there's a, a window where you can look out onto Floral Avenue. Have you been up there? I have not. You must have. You been there? I've been inside the church. I, I'm just looking at the picture now. I forgot. I've never been up to look out there. It looks like a window. So the next time I go there, I'm going to ask the pastor if she would let me go up to the top there to look out the window. Oh, I'm sure she would. And I think I'm going to do some exploring myself now that you've told me that. I, I guess I'm not observative. Well, what I've noticed about... Um, the uh, the holy sites around here, uh, if you look carefully, you can't take anything for granted. Even some of the newer ones, but especially say this this particular church over on the west side, um, because it's it, it was built in an era when there was a lot of uh, special attention to detail. If you take a look carefully at all aspects from top to bottom you can find some very very fascinating things with the buildings well i can tell you that inside it's quite uh, quite extraordinary because i spend a lot of time downstairs because we're cooking for the saturday meals and there's so many uh, little rooms, and of course, a lot of things happen at the church. We uh, AA meets there uh, almost every day, so there's a lot. Um, it, it, there are so many advantages to the church, and it can be used and is used, uh, you know, in many ways for the good of the community. But I, I'm usually on the bottom of the building and in the sanctuary. So I've got to make um, a little bit of a tour up to the top, as you were as you were explaining. Yeah, I might have to check that out further myself. Well, Carmen, uh, thank you for the reminder again. All the special activities are taking place this Saturday at Boulevard United Methodist Church at 113 Grand Boulevard. And it's from 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock. Very good. Well, thank you for calling in. And tell people thank you for being there. Right. We'll tell people that Bob Joseph said hi. 
Okay, I will. Okay, have a great Thanks day. so much. Have a blessed day. Bye-bye. 1121 WNBF, Bob Joseph. Good morning. You're on the air. Bob Joseph live with you. Uh, what's your first name? Where are you calling from? Oh, hi, Bob. I talked to you a while ago. I'm Bob from Bristol. But, oh, uh, oh, yeah. You, you. Okay, yes. I, I asked you to find out that story. So tell me where you found that, that story. Uh, it's from the New York Times. It says www.newyorktimes.com. It's got a, uh, quite a few things on there. You probably... Uh, be interested in CN. And and, uh, and when <laughs> when was the story posted? What day? Uh, recently, as yesterday, up to seventeen days ago. Okay now. Oh, okay now I'm I'm seeing the stories. Now I see some other stories too. Voting yep. machine pro. Okay, it says voting yep. machine problems in Arizona fuel right wing fraud claim. It says. Oh, uh, yep. It says the printers were not making dark enough markings on the ballots. Uh, it says a series of technical glitches disrupted ballot counting Tuesday at about one in four voting centers in Maricopa County, rekindling embers of baseless voter fraud claims in the right-wing media and politicians. Well, they had things in Michigan that uh, I think quite a few, quite a few areas had problems uh similar to that so yeah and did they to... did they say that there was there was proof of of uh, malfeasance that uh, that there were shenanigans involved well they were um, putting banners up inside or around the voting up um, polling places and there's a whole bunch of stuff that's been going on I don't know I just I touch base with you and uh, let you know what I thought okay about it. yeah thanks I'll be I'm looking at more of those stories because I, I, uh, yeah. I don't want any shenanigans. Well, that's why I called, and uh, I would, went down here in Vessel to vote, and uh, I asked someone, "Don't you want to see my ID?" He said, "No, nah, we don't. We don't look at IDs down here." So I thought that was kind of uh, no, they don't. In, in New York, I don't believe in New York that that um, you you have to give your ID. I don't think that's the law. No, I mean, if you want to show your ID. But all you have to do is, you know, you have to be a registered voter, and then you sign at the place where you're supposed to sign, and there you go. Yep, yep. Okay, I, I like it. Yeah, it, it, everything went well when I voted. I saw, I was looking, by the way, at my polling place. I was looking for shenanigans, and there were none to be found. Live and so local, Bob Joseph on your Thursday morning. Sandy in Port Dickinson, good morning. Uh, good morning, Bob. I had a couple of things, and I'll be quick. Um, first of all, um, when Jason Garner was on, I uh, I didn't hear all of his uh, all of, of the time he was on. Did he talk about the uh, when he was talking about the nursing homes and that they needed uh, were hiring and they didn't have enough help, which I know they don't. And uh, did New York State or Broome County, when they fired all the nurses, EMTs, aides, everybody for not taking the COVID shot, when they refused to take it and they were fired, have they hired these people back with back pay? 
I don't know. Why would they? Why wouldn't they? They need the help. Well, they need the help, but they also need people who can follow the rules. I mean, if, if say, when they told me to follow the rules here, for example, if, well, I, I can't, you know, the rules are confidential, but say if they put out a rule here at the station and I, despite repeated reminders to follow the rule, if I disregard the rule, I'll be fired. And then, say, a few months down the road when they're still looking for somebody who would host this program, I, I couldn't expect to be rehired just because, eh, we changed the rules, so come back because we, we need you now. And even though you uh, could not follow orders, we're, we're more than happy to have you come back. You know, it, it just, just isn't, I don't see where that's uh, feasible. Uh, hold on just a second. I'll be right back with you, Sandy. Hang on. Hi, WNBF. Is this Dave Nicosia? This is Dave Nicosia. Okay, hang on. I saw you calling there, so I didn't want to. I didn't want to leave you hanging. So, well, uh, this is sort of a preview, so listeners know. Coming up in about two minutes, we'll be talking with Dave Nicosia from the National Weather Service about uh, what we can expect over the next two days. So that that'll be coming right up. Okay, Dave. All righty. Thank you, sir. All right, now, without further ado, back to to Sandy. So. Well. I think it's feasible. A lot of places dropped that requirement because they needed the help. They needed, and and they decided it it was a foolish thing to do. And uh, but anyway, I was wondering whether New York State or even Broome County uh, dropped that requirement. Uh, that's what's my question for him. Okay, it's a good question. It didn't occur to me if I. If I had uh, thought about it, I, I certainly would have asked, because that is a very good question. Okay, I have one quick thing about my precinct when I went and voted at my local precinct on Tuesday. Uh, everything was fine. It went fine, and there was a lot of people there when I went. Uh, but the thing was, I, I made out my uh, ballot using the little pen and stylus or whatever it's called with a dark marker and i was very careful to stay inside my circle like you're supposed to so i took it over to uh register you know to put it in the ballot box to let it register and it come up with a message that said well you uh you uh were outside the lines or there there was a scribble or something on it and so i thought uh, no i did it perfectly like I was supposed to. So I turned it over, I put it back in the ballot box, and it registered, it come up and it registered fine. Well, I was a little bit curious about that. So uh, when I got home, I called the Board of Elections and I said, why, why did it spit it out when it was right side up the first time? And I turned it over and put it in the second time and it and it took it. Well, here's what the lady said. She said, well, she said, sometimes these machines are not cleaned before they're installed. And I, I, I was like, really? They should be cleaned every time they're put away for the year or for the next election or whatever. Or they should be cleaned before they're even put into a polling place. And also she said, uh, and I said, well, I made sure I was inside the marks. And she said, inside the circle like I was supposed to. And she said, well, she said, uh, if it said, you know, there was squiggles or something showing, it's like, 
perhaps when people, not meaning me, but other people before me who had put their ballots in, the ink from that marker or pen or whatever it is kind of gets on to the machine itself when they're putting their ballots in. And she said that might trip it also. So, All right. Yeah, well, I, I yeah, I appreciate the information. Next time I'm uh, chatting with the um, Room County Election Commissioners, I'll ask them about that. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank, thank you. Bye. 11.31, coming right up, we're going to uh, talk with Dave Nicosia from the National Weather Service. Hey, Vinny from Binghamton, are you still there? Yes, I am. Well, can I'm you hang on? Because we I have can. urgent weather information. No problem. Coming up. Live on WNBF, life-saving weather information with Dave Nicosia. Good morning, Dave. Good morning. So tell us what we need to know to uh, save our lives and property over the next two days. <laughs> oh, oh. Um, it's going to rain. Well, and... that much I knew. I could have told you that. You know, I'm... I'm no smarter than Gumby, but, you know, if, if, if that's all it was about, is it going to rain, I could have said that, and we could have <laughs> we could have spared all the expense with the satellite uplink from uh, downtown to Mount Ettrick. Anyway, so bottom line is, for people here in uh, Broome, Tioga, and the surrounding counties, how much rain, David? Well, it's looking like around two inches, maybe even a little bit more, um, but... We're not expecting anything, um, you know, much more than that that would cause any any flooding on the rivers or anything like that. I mean, yes, it is a tropical storm, and the remnants will indeed be coming through our area. But the good news is there is uh, it's a, it's November, and the jet stream is a lot stronger in November than it is in September. So as uh, Nicole uh, comes north. The moisture comes into our area. It rains uh, tomorrow, starts in the mor- late morning, all day tomorrow, tomorrow night, tapers off by Saturday morning. But it's moving through quick, and that's the key. The jet stream is just going to pick it up and kick it to the northeast, and it won't stall over us like previous tropical well that's what i was going to ask and i you know so tell me the similarities between this setup and tropical storm lee for example uh how similar is this there are no similarities (laughs) the problem the thing with tropical storm lee was we had a very slow moving cold front uh coming across the uh upper plains and the jet stream in september is a lot weaker than the jet stream is now. Um, so that front came north, and it just stalled right over us, and all the moisture from Lee just basically wrung out right along that front, which just happened to be through Binghamton, you know. So, you know, we had a crazy amount of rainfall and major flooding. This situation, we do have a cold front coming east, and there will be moisture along that front, and we will get some heavy rain out of it. But it's moving by so fast that we won't have a chance to pick up the kind of rain you need to get the rivers to really do. But could it stall? Is there a chance it still could stall? No, no. Winter is coming. That's probably even a bigger story. We're going to actually have colder weather coming in after that really beautiful weather we had earlier. Um, So, yeah, there's a pretty decent system moving through the upper plains right now. 
it's going to sweep east, and uh, Nicole's going to come out right in front of it, and it's just going to kick it off to the northeast, and then it's going to get much colder, and we might even see a little bit of snowflakes in the air next week. What areas do you think in the, we call it the Twin Tiers, you probably call it southern New York and northeastern Pennsylvania, but in this region, we'll say the Binghamton area, our primary coverage area, what areas do you expect will receive the heaviest rainfall between now and Saturday? That's a tough one. I mean, it's going to be pretty widespread around two inches. I don't know if anybody... When you're talking just around Binghamton, it's going to be pretty uniform. Obviously, some of the hills get a little bit more, valleys get a little bit less, but we're not talking about that much difference. Um, Yeah, again, two inches of rain, maybe a little bit more, but that, considering how dry it's been, uh, you know, we had below normal uh, rainfall in October. Uh, You know, it's been dry. That's certainly helpful. Actually, west of Binghamton has a slight drought, actually, believe it or not. So a lot of this rain actually could be pretty beneficial. In some well, I was waiting for you to say that, you know, as, as I call FEMA on the other line, and then one guy's saying, but, you know, it's beneficial rain. And it's like, yeah, but they're sold out of arcs. <laughs> but it, the, the only threat would be in a few localized areas, you know, smaller watersheds that, get a little bit more than the rain we're projecting. And usually it's in the higher elevations, and, of course, water rolls, falls down, or, you know, flows downhill, right? So the areas that we would be concerned about maybe would be the more flood-prone areas, areas that typically do have problems. I mean, it looks like at this point, and we're going to be watching the Choconut Creek because that's always one of our problem creeks. Looks all right right now. And then there's another creek, the Wapasenning, that goes through Nichols. We watch that one very carefully. We watch all the creeks. But, you know, there's certain hot spots that, you know, working here for so many years, you know, we just we just know all of these creeks you probably have never even heard of. You ever hear of the Wapasenning Creek? I mean, yeah, you know, actually uh, I have because oh, you have? Okay. there's been flooding there before. Am yeah, I, right. it almost collapsed through 17. What about uh, Brixius, Brixius Creek? The, the one I was looking at that, there's a talk about a mysterious creek as it uh, winds its way through the town of Union, the village of Endicott. Have you ever looked at oh, yeah. that creek on the map? Yes, I have. Oh, my yeah. gosh. It goes through, well, it goes under people's houses. It goes under, there's a BAE building. I won't name the building, but they know it too well. It goes under that building. And I'm looking, I'm saying, I had no idea. I've lived here all my life, and I was following the way that creek meanders from up off Taft Avenue before it gets to the Susquehanna. That's one, that's one heck of a creek. You know, and that's the thing, and especially in, in you know, the Triple Cities, back when they developed, they used to move creeks streams around and or just go right over them. I mean, we all know that I think the, the plaza where the Walmart is in Vestal, that was an ancient swamp at one point, way before we settled the valley, and they filled it in. So that's why there's always flood problems there. And, you know, there's the stream that comes down uh, down Oakdale Road, back, and it comes right across Wegmans, you know, that stream that's in front of Wegmans there. And, yeah, I mean, we back in the day, they didn't, you know, they, they didn't, um, I don't want to, say it in a bad way, but didn't respect Mother Nature's streams, and they kind of moved them around and engineered around them. And that, unfortunately, that could come to 
to hurt us in the future. But this storm, I don't see that at this point. However, your typical poor drainage areas in the city, you know, they, every time it rains heavy, we have ponding issues. So there's certainly going to be, that's definitely going to be an issue. There will be some ponding of water. And, and this time of year, there's leaves that have fallen off the trees. So clogged storm drains could also lead to some ponding of water. So to keep very safe, I would try to stay out of those areas and don't drive into the... You know what I say? And I, I learned this when, when my mom was teaching me about flooding and how, how it would adversely affect my life for decades to come. The one thing that I always remember, she said, Bobby, turn around. Don't drown. Don't drown. <laughs> so far, yeah, it's held me in good stead. My mom, yeah, she was brilliant. The same thing. I would say the same thing. Well, yeah, we say the same thing. But, yeah, you know, avoid avoid those areas. And if if there is water falling across a road, you don't know how deep the water is. It may look like it's shallow. And that's the number one way people die in floods, believe it or not, in the United States, is they drive into a flooded roadway and they get washed away. And, you know, I, we're not anticipating that we're going to see anything of that, extre- that extreme, but you never know. And so... Yeah, that would be one thing. Hopefully that won't be the case here. I'm hoping, looking like this thing is going to be moving pretty fast, and that will keep us from really having any major issues. Um, but the minor stuff, yeah, that'll that'll be around. Um, but fortunately, it's you know, we're not looking at the thing stalling or anything like that. I mean, Hurricane Agnes stalled over us. Tropical Storm Lee stalled over us. So, you know... You need these storms to stall kind of to really, really get hit hard. And fortunately, that is just not the case this time. So, Okay, well, sounds cautiously optimistic. Yeah, it's, and we've had some very nice weather. Well, I know. That's why I'm worried, because every, over the last three weeks, when we've had this spate of unusually pleasant and warmer-than-normal weather, almost everybody... Who mentioned it said, "Yeah, but you know, there's always a price to pay for this." And I said, "Yeah, I know. Trust well, me." Well, the price is going to be colder, much colder weather next week. Well, and then we won't have any money to heat our homes. I mean, with oil heating oil now at thirty dollars a gallon, you know, people are going to be setting back their thermostats to forty-five degrees. And you know, I'm sorry, that's that's no way to well, live. You know what? It could be worse. I mean, up in <laughs> nope. right now, up in Montana, it's in the single digits right now, and it's actually went, went below zero this morning. So See, you're right. You know, it it always a lot of could be worse. Could be, could be much worse. But we will be seeing a, a, a significant cool down for next week. It's definitely going to feel like uh, mid mid to late November. It might even be colder, and we might have some. Pretty chilly mornings too, so winter is definitely coming. So I'll get, I'll we'll get be talking my, about that probably the next time. <laughs> all right, I bet we will. And just to be on the safe side, I'll go down to uh, the store and buy buy my 2023 parka. Oh, there you go. And I'm not going to South Carolina this year for for vacation. Vacation, so maybe that means it's not really mild. <laughs> yeah, unlike that last time you were lounging around the beach, having oh, it was beautiful down there, having a, a, a grand old time while we were shoveling 45 inches of snow yep. out of our driveway. I, so I call that one good. <laughs> <laughs> you did, Dave Nicosia. Always a pleasure. All right. Yeah, you take care, Bob. Oh yeah, and of course, tradition calls for. 
you to be played off with uh, Natalie Merchants. So thank you, All David. Right. Still waiting for you to get her in the in the studio. Coming soon. <laughs> Stay tuned, Dave. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bob Joseph live on WNBF. Joseph live asking the musical question you looking at me 607-772-1290 to talk on the Bob line and it's Vinny from Binghamton good morning yes good morning Bob hey I was listening to you talk with um, Jason Garner and uh, there was something interesting that he said it's basically what we what uh, we had talked about yesterday yesterday um when he was talking about how Albany works. And like I said before, you know, it said, I think the thing that surprises me how Josh Riley lost is that he's a local guy. And, you know, he never tried running for governor. He just came here. And let me start in my hometown because I know my hometown. I know my area. I grew up. And yet he lost. And hopefully he'll come back again do some debates, but it's sad because, you know, this area does need some help. And, you know, like I said, when, when Schumer, these guys, guys, they read, they read the polls and you look on our map on the state and you see Tompkins County, they voted. You see how they're building up. You see all these businesses coming in. They're coming right in around Syracuse area and stuff. They voted Kathy. They voted Chuck. So we're just going to be sitting here. Again, and it's, it, it, with, and, and I think the thing that gets me is the, the number of people we have in this area on the southern tier. It, it, it's just surprising to me. Now, I mean, we got he got one hundred thirty six thousand, but the other gentleman got one hundred forty two. Didn't even, and I didn't realize he didn't even live in the area or in the district. I had no idea. Yeah, you don't but, have to. But but we've but, had other, and I won't bore you with uh, races we've had around here before where candidates didn't even live in the community that they were seeking to represent but hey it happens and it's legal and if you get elected i guess you need to you know find a cheap apartment in the district so you can establish um a so-called residence and yeah and it's like what but the other guy did he was born here yeah, but the point the here, point man. that you they know? made incessantly is he wound up studying law and becoming a very successful lawyer, so he spent several years outside the district. That was that was one of the things they kept hammering home. Uh, yeah, to my recollection, it was like Josh Riley, who grew up in West Endicott, went to UE High School and then law school, wound up becoming a successful attorney, then living in a home in or near D.C., and the, the price they mentioned sounds enormous by Broome County mm-hmm. standards, but by D.C. Mm-hmm. standards, it's it's on the low end of the spectrum. But that's, hey, it worked. On the other hand, uh, remember that ad, whoever paid for the ad about Mark Molinero tooling around in an $80,000 SUV? I mean, look, yeah. 
I mean, you know, these These, things, that's, in my personal opinion, those are not the issues that should come up in a congressional campaign, but they did. Right. And I think in a congressional campaign, what, what, what you should need to do is you need, this is what I'm talking about when you, when you debate. Now, I watched Schumer and, uh, was opinion, the guy he ran after, he ran against for, for, uh, for the Senate. And it was really, really good. You watched a guy who had 42 years experience. And he's seen these guys come before. And opinion, oh, he was quick. Oh, he was doing this. And, and after a while, you keep listening to him. Let me be clear. Let me be clear. And you hear him, it's like, at one point, Schumer goes, you've got no solutions. And, and I'm looking at him thinking, do you understand when you go down there to Congress that you're not going to be there by yourself? You've got to build a coalition. There are other groups. And some of that stuff that you're doing up here, it ain't going to work down there in Washington. And... That's the point of people. Now, like I said, you can talk about Josh Riley being a lawyer. Huh, Josh, why would you come back here? You've been a lawyer because I like this place. I could have been in Washington making six figures, but I wanted to come back to my hometown because I, I understand. I've been here. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. You know, he, That's I, what you say. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I would doubt that we've heard the last of him, so who knows? If he wants to... Uh, Try again in two years. Of course, running up, running against an incumbent becomes even more daunting, even uh, against a, a freshman member of Congress, because by then, you know, we'll be talking with Mark Molinero on a regular basis, probably. And because mm-hmm. uh, I don't think he's Claudia Tenney, I get I get the impression he's going to be more accessible than Claudia Tenney. With you know, oh, I would I would prefer to be on the Fox news channel than on the WNBF news channel any day. You know, Mark Molinero, I think, is going to be different. He actually, I think Mark Molinero was in the studio more in the last year than Claudia Tenney was. So, But that's how representation goes. <laughs> 11.52. This is Bob Joseph live on a Thursday morning on WNBF. Some person... WNBF at 11.55, Bob Joseph live. New York Post opinion column, Toxic Trump, explaining how Trump sabotaged the Republican midterms. They put a a shocking photo illustration on the cover, and they're so ashamed of it, even though it's on the front page of the New York Post, owned by Rupert Murdoch. the, um, The culprit, the person responsible for this offensive photo illustration, is not even identified, either on the print edition or even online. So they're concealing her name, probably to protect her, because if it ever comes out, who on the New York Post staff designed that image, 
that appears on the front page today, she could be in big trouble, probably. So hopefully they'll put her in the uh, a protective custody for her own safety. It's Bob Joseph, live WNBF. Looking for... I'm Bob Joseph, thanking you for joining us on today's program. Please join us tomorrow morning for another program. Bob Joseph Live, serving you, the people. <laughs> News Radio, WNBF, Binghamton.